me make a couple of announcements while they're bringing the uh, pulpit out. We've got on November 3rd, which is a Saturday, we're going to be having a street meeting uptown at the, uh, I believe that's called the Smizer Plaza. So we want to invite you, come on out. We're going to be grilling hot dogs. We'll have uh, the praise and worship team up there singing. And we're just getting ready to launch into a new season. Everybody say a new season. The, also, we've got uh, coming up on December the 8th, I believe it is, at uh, the Harrisburg Detention facility for young people we're going to be going there with an outreach and doing a christmas concert so if you're interested in going to that you need to see would stand up danny you need to see danny he uh you'll have to fill out a form and get a background check so we can determine whether or not you get to go or whether you stay <clears throat> i want to uh speak today for just a little bit from Ecclesiastes chapters 3 and verses 1 through 4. Would you go there with me, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 4? Well, not actually 1, 2, 4. We're going to read verse 1 and 4. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word because it's life. We just ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts today and let us enter that season that you've ordained for us. In Jesus' name, amen. The writer talks about that there's a time and a purpose for every season. Everybody say a time and a purpose. The problem is that sometimes we miss the purpose of the season we're in, and sometimes we miss the time of the season we're in. So we end up getting confused. How many of you, I was talking to, uh, this morning to the, the, in the green room, the praise and worship team was in there, and they were talking about the, the, the you know, the horrific hurricane that had happened and they were talking about how beautiful that beach was and how they always go down there you know and experience that and all that and and they told me they said you need to go down to the panhandle I, th I told them i said well the only beach i really go to is the one in trinidad because it's mission work and they said you need to go down to the panhandle and experience that beach and i said i'll go to the panhandle when you go to the mountains and they looked, and Gina made a statement. She said, I don't like layers. I, I don't like, you know, she had a sweater on. She said, I don't like layers. I don't even like wearing a sweater. I said, you don't have to wear layers. You can go to the mountains in shorts and a T-shirt if you want to. You're just going to be out of season. I didn't tell her that. I'm telling you that. You'll be out of season. So how many of you felt the nip in the air come in the air? Everybody say, thank God for the nip. I didn't say thank God for a nip. I said thank God for the nip. <clears throat> thank God for the nip that's in the air. I, you know, we came back from vacation and we'd been up in Quebec and the high up there was like, I think, 48 one day. And we, we were up there and it came back to 90 degree weather in October. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And then all of a sudden it changed. Everybody say, it changes. And so seasons change. What I want to talk to you about today is a season called joy. Would you say that with me? A season of joy. So here's what happens. Seasons change. The Bible said that there is a time to weep. Everyone weep. No, I'm just kidding. It's not, you can't weep because it's not time, right? But there is a time to weep. And there's a, do you know what the word weep there means in Hebrew? It doesn't just mean about crying, but it's talking about, it means to complain. Everybody say there's a season for that. But that's usually a short season. 
The problem is, is when we get into, we let one season start to bleed over into the other. How many of you remember this past year, 2018, April? What happened? It snowed in April. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, seasons are trying to bleed over into another. So when we were supposed to be enjoying birds singing, and there was a bird that flew by. I got a picture of it on my camera. But there was snow on the ground. And, and so it makes us feel uneasy because it's supposed to be short sleeve weather and we still got on coats and there's supposed to be sunshine and green grass and there's snow on the ground. And, and it makes you feel out of sorts. And so there's a time to complain. Now, the children of Israel got into trouble because they couldn't differentiate the season. There was a season for them to weep. When they were in Egypt and when things were going bad, that was a season to weep, to complain. Everybody say to complain. But something unique happens if you go into the book of Exodus, the 15th chapter, God brings them out of Egypt. They come through the Red Sea. They come out of the Red Sea and Miriam grabbed a timbrel in her hand. Does anybody have a tambourine? Miriam grabbed a timbrel in her hand and she started to do what? Huh? She started to dance. She grabbed a tambourine and she started to dance and they're singing a song and everybody's happy because they're out of Egypt and everything's wonderful and three days go by. Everybody say three short days. And their dance turned into complaining. They begin to complain because there was no water. What do you think the response should have been? Don't you think that a God that just drowned an Egyptian army in a sea that you walked across is able to bring you water when you ask him for it? Don't you think that when you're in a season in life, when things are going bad, that the best thing to do is instead of complaining about where you're at, uh, is to begin to thank God that he's getting ready to change the season? Don't you think that the right response ought to be to raise your hands and say, God, I praise you because I know you're going to supply my every need according to your riches in glory. Everybody say, a season changed. There's a time to, it says, mourn. When Moses died, the Scripture said that the children of Israel mourned for 30 days. And it said, but then the time of mourning was over. How many of you have ever, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand on this, but how many of you have ever gone through something or suffered a loss of, of something or someone that you just couldn't seem to get over? And it just continued to pull on you and pull on you and pull on you, and I want you to hear what I'm going to say, that that was never God's intent, that the Bible said that there's a time to be born and a time to die, and death doesn't have to be a bad thing. Man, it got quiet in here. So what are you talking about? What is it that we're all looking for? What are we all what, what, what is the idea? What is our main goal while we're here in this, in, in this world? It's to get there, right? Now, how many of you in here want to go to heaven? Raise your hand if you want to go to heaven. Just, as a matter of fact, just stand up. If you want to go to heaven, stand up. Everybody that's still seating, we know what your desire is. Okay, so just stand up if you want to go to heaven. Stand up if you want to go to heaven. Now here, here, now, now, now watch this. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Now, if you want to, if, if you want to die, go ahead and keep standing. Everybody, see, here's, here's my whole point. Some of them are looking, I got people looking at me going, I don't know, you know. I it's not a trick question. I think you thought, I think they were checking to see if I was going to pull out something, you know, and take care of that desire that they have. No, here's my point is we all want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, right? 
but I've got, you, you need to hear what I'm going to say. You can't go to heaven without dying. Amen. Now hear me. You can experience a little bit of heaven right here on earth, but you still have to die. What are you talking about? You've got to die to your flesh. Paul said, I die daily. Why is he dying? Because he wants to live. Because he wants life that he knows that God's promised. So we have to learn how to enter the season where we can live. Everybody say, live a little. And so they're mourning the death of Moses and, and, and it's hanging on. And I know what it feels like to let let mourning hang on. And the, the word mourning literally means, in, in Hebrew, it means tearing the hair. You ever been in a place in your life where you just felt like pulling your hair out? Just, it means beating the breast. I'm talking about, and I don't know if, if you've ever seen scenes from the Middle East, but when those people mourn, they know how to mourn. They'll throw dust up in the air. The women are pulling their hair. They're, they're, they're beating their breast. Why? Because it's a season they're in. And you've got to let that season take place or you end up carrying it with you for the rest of your life instead of allowing it to have its purpose, fulfill its time, and then move to the next season. So Moses is dead. The time of mourning had ended, and God shows up. And God speaks to Joshua and said, Moses is dead. Now you get up and you take this people to the land that I promised them. That's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? Pretty direct words. What's he saying? He's saying, I know you've suffered a loss, but your hope wasn't wrapped up in the person you're lost. Your hope is wrapped up in me. And if you'll follow after me, I'm going to bring you back into contact with that person you lost. And so it's all about perception and understanding seasons. Now, how many of you, when you got married, come up here a minute, honey. When you got married, you were standing at the altar with, with your beautiful wife, and they were saying, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife to have and to hold in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, till death do you part? And your response was, <laughs> I'm going to tell you if it was, that lady sitting next to, standing next to you is allowed to just leave you at the altar and say, man, what is going on here? Because you're mourning when you ought to be. You're mourning when you ought to be saying, yes, I do. <laughs> you're mourning in, a, in the wrong season. Everybody say, it's time for a change in season. Now watch this because Nehemiah is dealing with this in Nehemiah chapter 8 starting with verses 9. Watch what Nehemiah is saying to the people. Let me set this up before we read it. Because what's happened is Nehemiah is dealing with a nation that forgot their God. They turned their back completely on God. And they got wrapped up in themselves and, and threw, cast God off to the side. So God allowed them to go into captivity. And when they went into captivity, man, they stayed there for 70 years. But then God brought them out. And he brought them out in an extraordinary fashion. A king that conquered Nebuchadnezzar's house and his, his family that came in and conquered Babylon, God had spoke to through his word 150 years before he ever set on a throne and told him to release Jerusalem, to let his people go. Let me ask you a question. If somebody came up to you and handed you a book that was published back 150 years ago and it had your life story in it, would it get your attention? Would, would it cause your ears to perk up a little bit would it, and, and say, oh man, how did he know that was going to happen to me? And that's what happened to Cyrus. And so Cyrus responded to God. So Nehemiah is a part of this transition, a part of this change of season of having been in captivity. And now Jerusalem is being built. And you're never going to build anything without opposition. 
How many of you have ever built anything in your life? Wave your hand if you've ever built it. I don't care if it was a bookshelf. You, you built something in your life. How many of you, when you were building something, smashed your thumb, cut your hand, got it all together and found out you put it together backwards? Honest to goodness, man, I spent, I can't tell you how long I spent putting this shelf together and all of a sudden I get done and there's a piece left over. What's that to? And I realized it wouldn't shut right. I guess that's supposed to go somewhere. <laughs> See, sometimes we're just trying to do it on our own and all the time, what did he say? Whosoever will, let him come unto me. So he's got the direction. He knows the blueprint, and he just wants us to follow him. Nehemiah has a group of people that they've come back. They've, they've, been, they've, they've built the wall, but there's been opposition. People have been trying to stop them from doing the work of God. And finally, they get it done, and they come together, and they start to read the book of the law. Everybody say the book of the law. Listen to it. This is starting with verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. A time and a purpose. And mourning and weeping are not the time and the purpose there. He, they said, do not mourn and weep. Why? For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Why are they weeping when they hear the words of the law? Because they realize how far they've been from keeping them. How many of you in here have been able to keep God's word from the time you breathed your first breath until this present day? Would you please stand up so the rest of us can look what perfection looks like? Matter of fact, I need to sit down right now because <laughs> I haven't either. What's your point? They're, they're weeping because they see how far they are from God. Do you understand how powerful grace is? <laughs> You're saved by your works. You're saved by being able to quote 35 scriptures in Hebrew. You're saved because you shook your preacher's hand. You're saved by grace. It's what? It's what? It's the gift of God. Look, I've gotten gifts from people. You know, I've gotten birthday gifts, and I've gotten Christmas presents, you know, Christmas gifts. And those are all, and I've, I, man, I've had some great ones, and I've enjoyed them. I've had some gifts that I hid in the closet. I thought, man, I don't know what they were thinking. But God gave me a gift called grace. And it's the best gift I ever got in my entire life. I never thought about taking it back. I never thought about hiding it. I never thought about putting it on a shelf someplace and getting it out later. No, grace is the gift of God. And it rescued me. It redeemed me. It grabbed hold of me. And it changed me. Everybody say grace changed my season. So they're weeping. And, and listen to what they say to them. They said, don't. Mourn, no, don't weep. Go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. And send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you remember 
There, there's a time when they build this building, they build the temple back, and there are people there that had seen the former temple. And they looked at it, and the people that saw the former temple are, 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 are weeping and they're mourning because it doesn't look as good as the, 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 the temple now. And the Lord spoke to them, and he said, don't, don't you start comparing the former to the latter because you've got to understand that what I'm going to do in this latter temple, it might not look like you're used to it looking, huh? but I'm going to do some stuff you never saw happen before. Huh? I'm getting ready to break out in a way you've never experienced before. I'm going to change lives in a way that will cause people to stand up and take notice. Don't weep. Go your way. Eat the... Why does he say fat? Everybody say fat has flavor. The cut on a steak, the ribeye, is the most delicious cut because it's got the most fat in it. My brother used to, now I, I think there's a limit to fat. My brother used to, we, mom would, you know, they'd make pork. Pot roast. How many of you remember pot roast? It's a thing of the past. Now it's in a TV dinner. Oh, we there's still pot roast, right? Pot roast. Debbie loves pot roast. Man, she'll put it in a crock pot and cook it slow and savor the flavor. And they got fat. It used to have fat on it. And I'd watch my brother take and cut that fat off after it cooked. Pop that in his mouth. Mmm, because fat is where it's at. There was, it was full of flavor, but I like a little bit of meat with my fat, man. <laughs> he said, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send to those who have no portions. Now watch this. He said, because, and he said, don't be sorrowful, because the joy of the Lord is what? It's your strength. So you walk around with your head down and your tongue dragging the floor, thinking, you know, and we're singing the blues and we're mourning and, and we're thinking, oh God, what's going on in my life? What's going on in my family? Look, you're going, you, you are literally on a downslide. It's going to make you weaker and weaker and weaker. But the moment you can pull up your boots, get yourself standing straight and say, well, hallelujah, anyhow, I don't care what it looks like. He's a good God. He's a great God and he's going to take care of my situation the joy of the Lord is your strength not the joy of your circumstance not the joy of your situation not the joy of the economy but the joy of the Lord can I tell you God's never had a bad day the joy of the Lord is your strength so let me ask a question. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, doesn't it stand to reason that God wants us to live in a season of joy? Amen. See, you're not sure. That's why there's still no smile on your face. <laughs> doesn't it stand to reason that God wants us to live in a season of joy? All the other seasons are parts of life. But the season of joy is the main highway of life. It's where he wants us traveling down. And I'm going to show that to you and prove it to you in just a second. Everybody say, but you don't know, man, I've had some bad days. Welcome to my world. <laughs> How many of you have ever had a bad day? Wave your hand if you've had a bad day. How many of you had a bad day last week? How many of you had a bad day this week? How many of you had a bad day yesterday? How many of you having a bad day right now? Raise that hand and I'm going to. No. <laughs> what I'm telling you is there's no shortage of bad days because you choose whether or not it's going to be bad or good. You say, well, wait a minute. 
I didn't choose my circumstance. I didn't say you get to choose your circumstance or what you're going through. You just get to choose the way you go through it. So you can either have something bad happen and stand up and say, well, praise God, this is just an opportunity for God to work it out. Or you can have something bad happen to say, I don't know what I'm going to do. But if you know that God wants you to live in a season of joy, then shouldn't your tendency lean toward joy? Look at your neighbor and say, lean on me. My name's Joy. (laughs) We need to learn how to lean on joy. So let's look at a man by the name of David. Everybody say David. His life is filled with adversity. I'm going to give you a Reader's Digest version of David's life, all right? The first season he's in, he spends his first part of his life protecting sheep, so he faces a lion and a bear. You you need to recognize this, is that every season of your life has a purpose, and it prepares you for the next season of your life. So when David comes on the scene, the first thing we see him doing is what we know is David gets anointed, right? But they had to bring him in from where? From the field. Well, I'm supposed to be a king. How come you ain't waiting on me? I'm supposed to be a king. How come I'm in the field taking care of sheep? Because God's preparing you for your purpose. So he's in a field caring for sheep, and he had adversity in that field. There was a lion and a bear that tried to take out the sheep, and David took out the lion and the bear. Then guess what happens? The next thing you see is David facing a giant that's trying to kill some of God's sheep. And God was, and David, God prepared David in his last season about caring for sheep. So when David walks up on the battlefield and Goliath comes out and starts making his rant, uh, David doesn't back off. He doesn't back down. He's not afraid. He said, who does he think he is? And he, he tells Saul, I'll go out and face the giant. Would to God for the day when all of a sudden when the enemy comes in, we don't back away, we don't shy away, but we stand up and say, God, here I am. And if God be for me, who my friend can be against me? God, give me the opera, give me the sling, give me the stone. He was ready to roll. Remember that flight on 9-11? Jets had gone into two towers in New York. Some people were mourning and others were rejoicing. Was that a time to rejoice? No. But their seasons were all screwed up. Rejoicing at the expense of someone else. And then a jet hit the Pentagon. And people are mourning. And there's other jets in the air. And one jet's been taken over. People on board have heard what's happening on the ground. The other people had become victims. But these people make up their mind they're not going to be a victim. They're going to become victorious. And so that jet was headed for Washington to either take out the the Capitol building or the White House. Nobody really seems to know for sure, but one thing was for sure. The people on board said, not not on my watch, not while I'm on this jet. And they banded together and they made their phone calls and told their loved ones, hey, I love you. We're we're, we're getting ready to roll now. We've got to make this happen. What are they doing? In a time of intense pressure, they chose a season of joy. They decided they would stand up and be counted rather than lay down and die. And so in that moment, they heard that phone click or that somebody heard on the other end. A man said, all right, guys, let's roll. And they took that jet down. And with it, they saved countless lives. You've got to find something that inspires you to stand up and make a difference in somebody else's life rather than just worried always about your own life. And so David went out and he told Saul, I'll face that giant. Saul said, you can't. He said, yes, I can. 
I took out a lion and a bear, and he's just going to be like that. God delivered. Now, watch this. He didn't say, I was so tough, that lion didn't stand a chance. He said, God delivered the lion into my hand, and God delivered the bear into my hand, and God will deliver that giant into my hand. There's nothing that God can't do for you if you'll believe him for it. Everybody say, I believe. Okay. So he, say that he, he faces the giant, God's prepared him for it, and he saves the sheep. He becomes the leader of Saul's army, and he's still fighting. He's fighting the enemies of Saul, or of Israel. Then Saul decides to kill him. How many of you think that would cause you to have a bad day? All of a sudden, the person that hired you now wants to kill you. And so he, 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 he spends the next eight years of his life running. Hiding from Saul. Things start going bad, man. I mean, this guy that had been cheered and they sang about that Saul slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now he's on the run for his life. And then he is in a season that he does not understand. Anybody in the house today been there? Have you ever been in a season that you didn't understand? Have you ever had circumstances surrounding your life that you just didn't get? Where you had prayers like, God, what, what's up with all of this? What's going on? What did, I deserve, what did I do to deserve being here? You ever been there? Now, let me share something with you. God doesn't cause every season in your life, but God can use every season in your life. David's on a downward spiral. I'm going to insert this, and I'm getting a little bit before myself, but it fits here. At one point, David made a choice with Bathsheba, and that choice threw David into a season God never intended him to be in, but God ended up using that season to bring him glory. This is what I'm saying. If you will give and surrender your heart to God, even the bad places in your life, God can turn around and use it to bring himself glory. He can illustrate how powerful his grace is, how mighty his word is, how he's able to keep you and protect you and guard you when the devil's trying to lay hold of you. Everybody say, a season. So David, he, he runs for eight years. Saul has 85 priests murdered and their families slaughtered because the high priest helped David. And David feels like he bears the responsibility. All this stuff keeps getting heaped on him. His wife, Michael, gets given to another man. Well, guys, I'm just telling you right now, I'd, act, I'd react a little bit different to that. What do you mean? Somebody come in here and say, oh, I'm going to take your wife away and give him, I said, yeah, you're over my dead body. Do you understand? But he's had all this happen to him. Stuff that we can't even fathom sometimes. He's, he's have, everybody say he's having a bad day. His, his kindness is insulted by a man by the name of Nabal. He had been a wall to Nabal's shepherds. He'd protected not just the sheep, he'd protected those men. And when he sent, and he knew it was a feast day and there was a big barbecue going on, he said, can I have a little barbecue, please? Could you send a little whatever you got there? And, and he sends back, and he said, who is Dave, David? Who is this son of Jesse? There'll be a lot of servants that break away from their masters. Just insult. Everybody say he added insult to injury. He finds himself in a foreign land underneath another king by the name of Achish. He goes to battle for Achish and Achish sends him home. No, no, get out of here. They don't want you here. So he's rejected. You ever been rejected? He's rejected. He goes home and when he gets home, there's no home. His city has been burned. 
Their houses are burned. All their stuff has been stolen. Their wives and their children have been taken. And now his own men look at him and say, we ought to just stone you. God, what's going on? But David somehow keeps it together. As a matter of fact, the scripture said that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Everybody say, encouraged himself. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time you encouraged yourself? You say, well, pastor, how do you do that? I can tell you how I do it. Doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but let me just tell you how I encourage myself. I put on some praise and worship music that ministers to me. Then I start listening to that, and as I begin to listen to that, then I begin to thank God for everything that he's done. I start thinking about everything that God has done for me. I open his word, and I start reading in that word. And when I read something like, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, it's not David talking anymore. That's my prayer. That's my testimony. That's my declaration. And in that moment, something happens in inside of me and where I was in the valley now I'm on the mountaintop where I was singing a river of tears now I'm rejoicing in an ocean of joy somebody say change his best friend Jonathan is killed in a battle Abner the man that's going to unite the entire kingdom of Israel under David's control is murdered by David's nephew, Joab. Just when it seems like it's getting better. <laughs> Ever been there? <laughs> Just when it seems, Debbie got up one morning and man, it was a good day. Everybody say a good day in the neighborhood, you know, and she... She got out the, I'll never forget this, she got out the oatmeal and she's cooking oatmeal. I'm in the other room and she's cooking oatmeal and it's a wonderful day and the oatmeal is good until the oatmeal started to move. And on the other room, I heard this. Ah! I jumped up, I ran in. What's wrong, man? I thought she'd cut her hand off or something. I, I run in there, what, what's wrong, what's wrong? And she goes, oh, she's thrown herself over the bed. I think she ran to me too. She, you ran to me, right? And, and, and she threw herself over the bed. Oh, what, what's wrong, what's wrong? The oatmeal has mealworms in it. And I'd already eaten a half a bowl before I saw the wiggle. Now I feel something down. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> Season change, man. Just in a minute, just in an instant, just in a heartbeat, it happens. When you, just when you thought everything was going good and oat, a, a mealworm shows up in your oatmeal. A fly shows up in the apothecary. You have to make up your mind what you're going to do with a fly and what you're going to do with a mealworm. And Debbie decided to eat it. <laughs> Are you with me? Come on, man. Quit letting little stuff get next to you. You want to, let me tell you the, the definition of a missionary. The first year of missionaries on, on a trip, first year, a fly landed in a soup. He threw away the soup. After two years of being a missionary, a fly got in the soup. He pulled the fly out, threw it out, ate the soup. The third year of being a missionary, and a, soup, a fly got in the soup, he thanked God for the fly and ate it. Just As my brothers in the other countries say, it's protein, brother. Sometimes you just got to eat it. Are, is there anybody? 
How many of you ever had your parents fix something that you didn't like? And you murmured and you complained and you wept about it. Green peas never caused so much trouble in our family. Sloppy Joes, everybody's got their, their you remember? And when, when you acted up, what did your parents say? Oh, poor baby, come here. Let me get it out of your plate. I'm so sorry I put those green peas in your plate. I'm so sorry those sloppy joes showed up on the table. I don't know what I was thinking. Would you forgive me? No, 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 no. They turn and they look at you and they say, just eat it. Just eat it. My dad, think about this. Halloween, I didn't grow up in church. I went trick-or-treating. So I go, I'm, I'm on my way to get to go trick-or-treat, and all of a sudden, you know, we're getting, we're eating. And, and then after we, we, you know, it's almost time, and I'm so excited, candy. I know some houses where I can make a haul, and I've got that on my mind, and there are green peas in my plate. And my dad looked at me, and those green peas stayed in my plate. I ate everything else, and then all of a sudden my dad looked at me, and he said, if you want to go trick-or-treating, you're going to eat those green peas. How dare he? <laughs> Literally, don't you, sometimes aren't you offended? So I had four brothers and sisters, five counting me, and I looked at them, and I had the perfect plan. I said, if you guys will all take a big spoonful of this and eat it, then we can go. I didn't understand why they didn't accept that plan. They looked at me and they said, you eat your own green peas. We ate ours. You eat yours. And I cried over those green peas and they stayed on my plate. I wept over those green peas and they looked right back up at me. Didn't move at all. And I finally just got tired of it. I thought, well, pass the lips through the gums. Look out, stomach, here it comes. And I, I grabbed those green peas, put them in my mouth, and started eating them. Today, I love green peas. The very thing that's causing you trouble today will seem like nothing to you tomorrow if you learn how to face it, deal with it, and change your season. Think about it, man. Just a few mouthful of green peas and candy was on the way. But we keep camping out in the camp of disappointment because we're not willing to eat, to deal with it, to face it. Give it to God. Turn around and say, give it to God. David finally comes to the kingdom and he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant home which represents the presence of God. And on the way back home, and man, I mean, this is a big to-do. There, 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 when you study Scripture, I think there's 30,000-something people that, that, uh, of one group that he brought out for this, that, you know, when you start counting all the people that are showing up for this procession to come back, and it's a big deal. And right in the middle of this big deal, the oxen was pulling the cart. The cart jostled. Uzzah, which was a man that was watching over the cart, but not a Levite, reached out and touched the ark, and he died on the spot. And David got angry. It's what the Scripture said, not what I said. How many of you have been angry when it didn't go the way you thought it should have gone? How many of you got mad when all of a sudden God didn't do it the way you wanted him to do it? He's angry, he's confused, and he's afraid. He makes a statement and said, how can the ark of God come to me? So now, in a moment of weakness, he rejects the presence of God, or what symbolized the presence of God. And he sends it to the house of Obadiah, a Levite, and he goes home. I want you to hear me. 
If you reject him, he'll find someone that will accept him. When you push him away, he'll find someone that will welcome him in. And when he brought that ark to Obadiah's house, Obadiah doesn't begin to worry and fret and he's not frantic and he doesn't say, oh my goodness, my whole family's going to die. They brought this ark here. I don't know what to do with it. No, he just starts thanking God for the opportunity, uh, for the privilege uh, of having the presence of God uh, come to his house. Uh, oh, somebody ought to hear what I'm saying today. You ought to thank God for the opportunity uh, to come to church and love him. Uh, I've been with people in other countries that would have given everything to have this freedom. To be able to worship him and to love him. And three months pass by. David finds out that Obadiah's getting his socks blessed off. He's got a brand new camel. Two humpbacks on it thing will go for miles on one drink of water. His, his, whole, his whole family's getting blessed. And David begins to recognize he missed his purpose because his timing was off. He was in the wrong season. He thought that you could treat God anyway. He put the ark on a cart or the it's not what God said that's what the Philistines did to send it back just because somebody else gets away with something doesn't mean God's going to let you just because somebody else acts ugly doesn't mean you get to act ugly just because somebody else just you know loses how many of you have ever flashed out before you know what I'm talking about And then all of a sudden, you see somebody do that, and you say, hey, I like to be able to do that once in a while. There have been a few times I needed to flesh out, I thought. You know, God won't let you get by with it. And so David learns a lesson that if you want the ark of God to come home and bless you, if you want God's blessing in your life, then treat God the way he deserves to be treated. And so six ark, or six priests, or four priests, I'm sorry, start to bear the ark. And that's how God said it's to be carried, not jostled around by some animal, but carried by men that have a heart, that have a purpose, that have a call. And they carry that ark, and they're offering sacrifice. And as it gets close to the city, guess what David began to do? What? Oh, come on. Dance? A king? Dance? You can't be serious. We're too dignified to dance. We're too, we're too, no, you you can't do, no. See, David had been through some stuff. David remembered the lion, the bear, Goliath, Joab, Abner, Absalom, everything he'd ever faced in life. All the adversity, the nights in the cave, the nights when he felt like he wouldn't live to see the next day. And now what he sees is the presence of God coming to his house. And what he does is he gets a little excited. He takes off the robe that signified his royalty. And the Bible said that he began to dance before the Lord with all of his might. You know what, what, what confuses me? We'll go to ball games and give it this. And come to church and give it this. Praise the Lord. I hope I didn't scare anybody with that burst of emotion. The word dance in Hebrew that describes what David did means to whirl around. He's overcome. He finally realizes that God loves me. God's for me. I've allowed the enemy to make me think that God was against me. I allowed the enemy to make me think that nothing would ever be right in my life again. But God's presence is coming home. And when God's presence comes home, it changes you. 
Somebody say a season of joy. Paul, speaking to a group of people as he travels toward Jerusalem. This is his words to them in Acts, the 20th chapter, starting with the 22nd verse. He said, and see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Man, if you know that's what's waiting for you, Paul, then why don't you head in the opposite direction like all your friends are trying to get you to do? Why don't you run the other way? Matter of fact, one group of people, he looked at me and said, why are you trying to break my heart? They were begging him not to go. But Paul says this, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. Somebody say joy. I don't know what life holds. I don't know what I'll face in the future, and for that matter, neither do you. But I know this. I want to finish my race with joy. I started to title this message, Save the Last Dance for Me. Because when I get ready to walk into heaven, I don't want to barely make it. I don't want to come dragging in across the threshold. I want to dance my way into glory. I want him to know how much I've loved him and how thrilled I've been today. Tim and Annette are celebrating 23 years of marriage. Hey, give him a hand. I saw him in the hallway. He didn't come up to me and say, pray for me. I've been married for this woman for 23 years. There was a smile on his face. There was joy in his heart. And he was remembering when it all happened. It's good to remember. Do you remember when he first saved you? Do you remember that night when all of a sudden the presence of God came home? When you left church and you left different than you came? When you were carrying a burden and he lifted it off of you and for the first time in your life you could smile again? Joy. A season of joy. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the writer writes, that seeing that we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and the weight that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that's been set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the pain of the cross. He knew what was waiting on him. but he saved the last dance for you. Lord, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, let it go. But if this is the only way that I can reach them, that I can rescue them, and have your way, God. The last dance on this earth was reserved for you and I as he danced his way to Calvary's cross and redeemed us by the blood of the Lamb. Come on and love him. I want them, I asked the praise team, they come on out, guys. I, I'd ask them to sing that song that they did, just a, a line or two of that song that they sang for the offertory. I believe it's called Death Was Arrested. Is that what it was? I came in and I, I was going to ask them to sing something else. And I listened to the words of that song and I said, no, this, word, this song's perfect. Because when I felt like all hope was gone and I felt like my best days were over, he came 
and rescued me. He, he changed the season of my life. And if nobody worships him, worships him, I'm going to. If nobody praises him, I'm going to. If nobody dances for joy, I've saved the last dance for him. Come on and sing it with him. I would say, sing it right now. Would you do it? Oh, your grace so free washes over me. to the movies I watched a movie called I can only imagine and that the young man was telling his story and as a boy the season he was in was one of mourning and weeping his father was abusive to him the movie actually tainted it down they they didn't show the abuse the way it really was but that boy left home and never planned to come back again. But he kept running into a problem. He couldn't experience his new season when he left his old season undone. You can't just jump out of one thing into, you can't run from your trouble. You gotta face it. You gotta eat the worms. <laughs> You got to eat the peas. You got to face it. And he went back to face it. And something had happened. His dad found out he was dying. You know, finding out you're dying will do something to you. It'll make you start thinking about how important 
that other life is. And so his dad had given his heart to Christ. And he was trying to make amends and the boy was confused and he thought, what's going on? He thought this was some kind of joke or something. And, but then when he got the report and he, he saw what was going on for a moment, for a fleeting moment, he got to enjoy a season that God had wanted them to have all along. And that father and son entered into a season of joy together. And they loved one another. And they loved God. And they had a grand time. And then his daddy left. The season of mourning came. But mourning, weeping, only supposed to last for a night. Joy comes in the morning. He wrote that song about his daddy because he was trying to picture his daddy in heaven and what his daddy must be thinking, and he could only imagine. Finally, it got picked up by a recording artist. Amy Grant had agreed to record it, and she was getting ready to debut it at her concert. When they started the music, she paused, and God was speaking to her. God was letting her know it's this boy's time. It's this boy's purpose. It's his season of joy. And so he called, she called him up to the front and said, you have to sing this song. And she gave that song back to him. It's the most requested song in the world. It's gone platinum. I think it was four times, I believe, is what it said. Platinum four times. But as he began to sing that song to the crowd, it wasn't the crowd he saw in the auditorium that day. It was his father with a big smile on his face because he had saved the last dance for the one that loved him the most. And a life that seemingly had no purpose and no meaning brought life to hundreds of thousands of others through the words of his boy's song. Let God use what you've been through to be the song that changes the lives of others. Let your testimony be the very thing that causes others to find their way into that season of joy. But you've got to do a favor for me and for yourself. If you're going to cause others to find it, you have to step into it yourself first. So we're going to end today doing this symbolically. I want everybody, if you would, just to take a step forward. Don't worry, I'm not going to run out there after you. Just take a step forward and say, Pastor, today I choose to step into my season of joy. Come on, very quickly, very quickly. Just come to the front, very quickly. You can take hands with each other. Joy loves friends. Joy loves friends. I'm stepping in my season of joy. Don't touch me. Come on, come on, quick. Come on down, real quick, real quick. This is what I want you to get. I want you to understand you're not alone. You're not alone. If I didn't mean this, I wouldn't say it. Debbie and I love you. And I'm not asking you to believe my words. Just watch my actions. Because my actions will always speak louder than my words. It's easy to say I love you. But it's something else to get it to you. You may not understand me at times and you, you may not agree with me at times and that's okay, you don't have to. But as long as you love me, as long as you love me, we can enter this season of joy together. Are you ready for it? Look at me just a second. What's your name? Mallory, Just if you would just stretch your hand up just one time. There have been some stuff happening in your home that's caused, I just see like, let me just tell you what I see. I see like a cloud of dust. And so what that, what that means to me, it's been like there's been confusion. 
and God's saying it's going to be okay I'm sending a wind of refreshing and all that dust and all that confusion is going to get blown out of the house don't try and hang on to it when it's going <laughs> let it go let it go because you're getting ready to enter your season of joy come on somebody and love him with me right now hallelujah I choose joy would you say it I want you just to just turn and look at someone and say I choose joy I may not feel it right now but I choose it I may have sloppy joes on my plate but I choose joy I may have to swallow a few green peas, but I choose joy. I may have to choke down some mealworms, but I choose joy. Joy. Joy in the morning. Joy in the evening. Are you ready? Grab, grab each other's hand if you're able. If you've got a baby in your hand, hang on to the baby. Are you ready? Now on the count of three, we're going to end this way. You say, Pastor, this doesn't make any sense to me. doesn't make any sense to me either going to do it I just feel it in my heart on the count of three what I want you to do is I want you to take those hands and I want you to come up like this and I want you to shout as loud as you can I choose joy now come up slowly because if somebody's in a sling or if somebody okay are you ready one two, wait a minute let me get up here with a praise team I don't want to be left out of this are you ready one two three I choose joy come on and give my hand clap of praise in this house sing it